The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F I V E 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Every sports fan knows that it's not about how you start the season, it's about how you finish. At MyBookie, 2020 finishes strong with NFL, college football, and the return of NBA action. Sign up today to receive a halfway deposit match up to $1,000. And while you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first. From December 21st to the 26th, MyBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes. And it's all week long. To get in on the action, it's simple. Sign up, make your first deposit, and enter the promo code 3YARDS, that's the word, 3YARDS, to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Head over to MyBookie to discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giveaways. This holiday season, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. Welcome to 3YARDS PER CARRY a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. It's obviously a disappointing day for us. Uh, we didn't, didn't do anything really well enough to win the game. Um, you know, we just didn't coach well enough, didn't miss opportunities, and, and uh, you know, Miami is just better than we were today, so and that's... That's the bottom line. Well. Bye. You smell that, Bill? Smells like someone died. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. And we're on and welcome to another victorious edition, the ninth of the year, which guarantees a winning record, by the way. Okay, and which meets my my win prediction for the year. So I'm probably going to be wrong, and Chris is probably going to be right. As no, I'm going to be wrong because they're going to have an 11 5 record. That's true, too. Okay. I'm going to be off by two games because I said nine and seven in the seventh seed. Okay. So that's not going to happen. Simon, I believe, picked eight and eight. So, you know, he, I, think his... I, I, I think I was much worse than that. I think I picked like six and 10. Nah. Yeah, yeah, you were you were at a losing season, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I was. 
I don't think you picked six and ten. No, yeah, was that bad? Oh yeah, he was. He was, he was pretty down I, I on think them. I did. I was pretty. Down. Okay, all right. I thought you. I thought you picked eight and eight. I got to check the tape on that. I could have swore well, you picked eight and eight. The I listeners, thought... the listeners, rightly pointed out since when did since when did uh, CK become the optimist of the group? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But as you as you hear them, we have Chris Coffin here. We have Simon Clancy here. This show will essentially take place for two shows. It'll be a recap of the New England Patriots game week 15. And we'll look forward to Saturday night against the Las Vegas Raiders. But first, let's give some credit where it's due. Chan Gailey took our advice. And that man got himself some landscape because... I don't know. It, it, I, 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 I said on the three YPC account that he was coaching shirtless with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. And I don't know. Uh, that looked to me suspicious. When he called that, that hook and lateral at the goal line for on that two-point conversion, that looked suspiciously that – suspicious, that was suspicious to me. I, I think he was using ball toner for that. What do you say, Simon? Uh, almost certainly the way the ball slid off uh, the test other uh, hands of um, Isaiah Ford into the uh, ball sack. I mean, hands of uh, Salvon Ahmed. I mean, you could tell that both those boys have been using Manscaped, and uh, I suspect that they've been uh, using Chan's uh, own honeypot of Manscaped ball toner <laughs> in the locker room pre-game. Uh, it was the only it's the only way that play would ever work really i had manscape written all over it frankly and um yeah the way they shaved down the patriots defense there with that little hook and lateral told me they've been using a lawnmower 3.0 and probably 20 percent off with five rsn i mean i don't know i'm just guessing but that's what i suspect <laughs> absolutely uh five rsn 20 percent off i am certain that they have next day shipping so if you want to use you you want to buy something for as a christmas present you know you're cutting it really really close but i do know i yeah in fact i'm looking at it right here they do have next day shipping so yeah go out go on manscape.com use the promo code 5rsn you get 20% off think about it your savings you can put it to shipping you have something for christmas so order now all right i'm going to ask you first simon cuz i found the irony and yeah, I guess this is irony because everybody uses the word wrong, but I guess this is irony. I found the irony delicious, really. Week one, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels rolls out a run-centric offense, shoves it right down the Dolphins' throat. I believe they ran for 250 yards, maybe. And they win 21-11. So what does Brian Flores do 14 weeks later? He runs out a run-centric offense with Chan Gailey, runs for 250 yards, and beats him 22-12. Did you find that delicious? as delicious as I found it, Simon? Uh, I didn't give it one second's thought. Really? Uh, if I'm honest. No, I just, just enjoyed the game for what it was. Okay. I, um, I didn't give it a second's thought, mate. I uh, Sorry. Uh, especially after you gave it the big build-up. But no, I mean, I just... Um, it was great to see the Dolphins rush for more than 18 yards in a game, frankly. And, um, you know, but that's their weakness. That's been their weakness, the inability to defend the run. And, you know, I saw, um, you know, uh, like I'm a big Ben Villain fan, lovely guy, uh, met him a few times, chatted to him in a number of press boxes, but he made the point that it was clear that the Dolphins coaches didn't trust Tua. That's why they ran the ball so much. And, you know, the answer is... No, Ben, 
they ran the ball so much because the Patriots couldn't stop the run. What's the point in going out and slinging it all around the field when we can rush for 250 yards and have uh, Ahmed have, what, 124 and Matt Breeder have 88? You know, you don't need to step back and throw it 60 times when you're doing that because that's not sensible football. You play sensible football by attacking the weakness and that's what the Dolphins did. So, yeah, I thought it was a very well... Uh, Manscaped game plan by <laughs> Chan Gailey. <laughs> Chris, so so Simon really didn't you know didn't pay it no mind. I thought it was also interesting that uh, Brian Flores kind of admitted that he held out players intentionally, that they were right down to the wire, meaning Eric Flowers, Mike Gusecki, Devontae Parker. That if it was an elimination game, that they could have played, which was interesting to reveal because Brian Flores usually doesn't reveal anything. So he holds out. He holds out players, and then beats his old boss the same way his boss beaten beat him week one. You didn't find well, that. You have to give. Yeah, I, so you have to give him kudos on that because um, think about think think for a moment. If you what is what does for example Mike Mac Hollins do that uh, Devonte Parker and really even Mike Gesicki you know, don't really do what overlooked part of the game does Mac Hollins. He's do? a great blocker. Exactly. And, and so they got, they had, they didn't have Devonte Parker out there. They didn't have Mike Gesicki out there. They didn't have Jakeem Grant out there who is, you know, three apples high. Um, they had guys out there that are better blockers on the perimeter. And you saw that perimeter blocking show up time and time again during the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Savan Ahmed and, uh, and Matt Breda took full advantage of the perimeter blocking. Um, you know, Eric Flowers, think about him versus Solomon Kinley, uh, especially when he's playing left guard, which is where he played at Georgia. You know, what's the difference there? Mm-hmm. Run blocking. Well, yeah. So, so well, it's clear that it's, well. yeah. I, I mean, of course you got more, more snaps for Durham Smythe. And uh, and Adam Shaheen, what do they do better than Mike Gesicki? Block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you had you had a, a situation where I think Flores knew what he was going to do, knew what the theme of the day was going to be, and and so he even he even got to the point of you know putting his thumb on the scale uh, with respect to who's going to play and who's not going to play, um, or who's going to come back early from injury or who's not going to come back early from injury uh, because these guys that we marched out there actually kind of fit with the theme. And, um, and so, you know, I think that that's, I think you got to give him credit for knowing what he wanted to do. What I find interesting about this game is really on both sides. It's almost like, it's almost like Bill Belichick and Brian Flores don't like playing each other. Um, and they want to get the game over as quickly as possible. Like they just want to be back on the bus because they both go out there and they run the, the quickest game. I mean, you could count the number of drives these teams have on like, you know, barely two hands, like, and, and it's, and sometimes you, (laughs) you wonder if it's going to get down to one hand because, and, and because that's the way they play each other. They played each other like that in week one. And it was a slugfest and it was, um, you know, it was, it was supposed to be, you know, burn through the clock, make the game as short as possible. And, um, and it just so happens we were up in new England and it was week one and the Patriots just out outplayed us. 
Um, and then you fast forward and they did, they both did the exact same thing again. Um, except Miami this time was the one that really just outslugged New England and made them look like a bad team. Um, they, I mean, I know they looked like a bad team against the Rams previously, mm-hmm. but they didn't look like a bad team in the previous, you know, the weeks or the month previous to that. Um, but Miami made them look like a team that really has no hope of doing anything on offense. And, you know, with the, against the Patriots defense, I know that Miami was shut out in the first half, but keep in mind, a Miami only really had eight drives the entire game to do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and they, they got on the doorstep of the end zone on four of those drives, four out of eight drives. So, I mean, yeah, they were doing things against the, and they got three touchdowns. Yeah. And they got three touchdowns out of it. The fourth one, you know, we'll talk about that, that one that would have, I, I think that would have been a touchdown if Tua wasn't hit from behind. Um, that's my personal opinion, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so I, I think that uh, I think they got, and then they executed like big, long drives. They were converting downs. Um, you know, they're able to move the ball against New England's defense. Well, uh, I think New England was trying to just keep everything in front of them and, and see who was going to screw up, uh, you know, out of all these, waiver wire and backup and special teams captain players that Miami was marching out there and, and six rookies started, um, you know, they were just waiting for people to screw up. And, and in the first half, those, those players were all too happy to oblige, you know, I mean, my, mm-hmm. or uh, Patrick Laird catches a, what should be a surefire first down and just doesn't stab it over the line, you know, or uh, you know, Matt Collins lets a, a pass go right into his face mask. Um, like something in a movie, um, you know, and some, and Savan Ahmed just, I don't know what he was doing with that DB, but he wasn't blocking him on the blitz. Uh, you know, there, there, there are mistakes that people were making that players were making that were, that would shut down the drives. And since there were very few of the drives, you know, that, that impacted the, uh, the entire first half, but Miami had no trouble moving the ball in general and executing and converting, uh, converting downs and getting the job done, scoring 22 points on eight drives is actually pretty good football, offensive football. I mean, mm-hmm. th- that works out on a points per drive basis. That works out really well. Um, and they should have had more, you know, they should have, yeah. they missed, they missed a field goal and, and they got, you know, what was that? Like a 90 something yard drive that they were working on when Tua threw that interception in the end zone. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think they made New England really kind of look like a very bad team, and uh, maybe they are. Maybe they are at this point of the season. Uh, the new, the Patriots are, but um, but I thought it was to the credit of the, of the Dolphins. Yeah, you have the. Not only did you have the yeah the interception in the end zone, of course, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but. You have Kristen Wilkins touching that ball. If not, that ball goes to Xavier Howard's hands, and it's a touchdown. Mm -hmm. They fake a punt. Nobody reports. They have a legal man downfield. That play gains like 30 yards. There's no doubt in my mind after, you know, pulling that off, the ball's down at the 30-yard line. They're probably going to score something on that Mm -hmm. drive too. You You know, we're already, we're reaching 40 points when we talk about all these missed opportunities. Unlike eight drives. (laughs) <laughs> yes so uh, you're talking about an absolute beatdown. so yeah and and i'll get to this simon were you as in, as impressed because man because people were freaking out when that scoreboard read zero 
But to be honest, I was I was watching the game and I was like, man, it's just a matter of time. Like, this doesn't look like a threat. This does not look like the Patriots. But, you know, I, I did have like a little bit of nervous energy. Like, let's just get it over with. But were you as impressed as it seems like me and, and Chris are at their performance overall? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought they played well. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to deify anybody and put anyone in the Hall of Fame. I thought they did a decent job. Um, they did what they had to do. It was, again, another well-coached game. I think what I was most impressed with was the fact that, you know, and look, defensively, they weren't going up against a lot and they were getting caught early on with a lot of those underneath plays in the short to intermediate areas, um, you know, backs out of the backfield, et cetera, et cetera. They tightened that up. Um they generally were able to shut down the run, generally were able to pressure Cam Newton. Offensively, I thought what they did best was those long drives and just ball control, maintaining the, you know, I don't know how many drives there were, but it felt like every time we got the ball, certainly in, you know, even if it was deep in our own territory, that we'd end up putting 8, 10, 12, 15 yard, uh, play drives together. That, for me, was the most impressive thing. And just that it felt like the aura of the Patriots had finally sort of dissipated. Um uh, so that, you know, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, I thought it was a performance that was very needed. Uh, and on to the next one. I'm, I, You know, I'm... It, it's difficult. I don't want to be like the um, the the voice of um, doom on, on this because I get the excitement around the team. But, you know, uh, every time Tuath makes a throw, you know, there are... There are like he, he's a good player clearly and he's getting better and I love the fact that he's learning from his mistakes but again I'm, I'm kind of not ready to deify him every single time he does anything do you know what mm-hmm. I mean there's, there's got I've got to see a continued growth a continued improvement a continued which he's doing to be fair to him but you know um, uh, uh, my metronome is certainly not going to fall to the to the side where we see some of the beat writers who you know um after six starts, so how many starts he's had? Eight starts, and so now you know, should Justin Herbert be the, uh, you know, should he be in the Hall of Fame? That kind of thing, and, and what does that mean for Tua? But I'm also not ready to say, yeah, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Have we got a quarterback? I absolutely believe so, but I, I kind of just want to make sure that we're pumping the brakes on the, um, because half the, you know, and Tua seems a very level-headed guy, and I think that happens when you go to Alabama and you throw a touchdown at, you know. Um, in overtime in the national championship game, when you come off the bench to replace the guy that went to the national championship the year before, I, I, th- I think he understands pressure and it, it doesn't affect him. But there's an awful lot of noise around every single thing, you know, kind of he scratches his ass, and you know, some fans are like, Oh my god, he touched his ass in the most sensual way I've ever seen. It just reminded me of Otto Graham and Dan Marino. It's like, lads, he literally just touched his own ass, you know, he's not, um. You know, he's not George Clooney. Oh, did you see the way he walked into the locker room? It was like, yep, he's got legs and he puts one foot in front of the other. He's doing what everybody else does. But he just does it in a different way. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's playing really well. Um, he's playing smart football. And, it, you know, he's playing intelligent football. I agree with Chris when he said, you know, it was patently obvious to me that his arm got hit as he was as he was throwing um, with a touchdown that was or the interception that JC Jackson uh, picked off. But you know, he plays mistake-free football. He's a smart kid. He's, uh, you know, he's an intelligent player. Um, I'm just not quite ready to, you know, to say he's the greatest Miami Dolphin that's ever breathed. Um, not that you two are doing that, but just generally, there's a, you know, there is sometimes a little bit of a sense that it's like, come on, 
calm down just a little bit. Let's keep it within the context. He's playing well. He's getting better. The team is doing really well. But, you know, he's not fucking Dan Marino. Not yet. No, not yet anyway. But if you watch, uh, if if you read some timelines on Twitter, forget Justin Herbert, Simon. Go read Ross Tucker. Uh, Ross Tucker is already proclaiming that Jalen Hurts is better so far. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, he's also receiving some undue hate, okay? And I find it just, I find it hilarious. You know, like, I like to tell all these people, I know that not, they're not listening, but if they were, I'd like to tell them, look, we're happy with our quarterback, and we're also happy that you're happy with your quarterbacks as well. But I don't know why there's this vested interest in trashing Tua just to prop up Jalen Hurts now all of a sudden and Justin Herbert. I, like, I don't get it. I just don't. Well, there's it. a national thing. There's a national thing, right? So there's you're talking about like Ross Tucker or yeah. Um, so a lot of these guys kind of set and they kind of they kind of stake out their sides before the draft um, or, you know, or maybe they've got maybe they've got like kind of a favorite team. And so they're going to favor guys from this team or something like that. Um, and so when you when you see, you know, for example, Jeff Schwartz uh, start talking up Justin Herbert uh and at the at the expense perhaps at times of uh Tua Tunga Vailoa you know keep in mind he staked out that side before the draft you know he's we know where he's going Oregon from. so so there's know, national well. guys yeah yeah right exactly i mean we we know what you, we know what's going on there with some of the some of the national guys actually what what gets me is a little bit are are the local guys are the local Miami guys who, you know, I mean, it gets to the point I'm reading the timeline during a, a Justin Herbert game, you know, at the time that Tua Tungavailoa is literally leading the voting for rookie of the week. And, um, and all they can talk about is, you know, how incredibly, how incredibly sexy and, and awesome and godly Justin Herbert is. And it's like, dude, I mean, what, what is with this? You are the, you are the meme. You are the meme of looking at the, the other girl, like, while <laughs> while you're, while you're walking, with your, I mean, local, local dolphins beat writers. I mean, and, and they they defend themselves. Oh, well, you know, this is, this is obviously something to talk about and, and stuff. And I, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, why, why don't you just, write about Tua a little bit, you know, write about like, or, or talk about what, what he's done because I don't see, you know, I, I, and I think to some extent it's because of the big sexy arm and, you know, everybody's always going to be, be drawn to that. Um, also, I know Los that, Angeles. that well, the market. Well, yeah, but I, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, hey, listen, Justin Herbert is, it's pandering to a, it's, to, to a market. It's, I think, if, I think if, a if, lot of it is that. I maybe, but I, I think I honestly, I mean, if, if if weird science they had if they had designed in weird science like a uh, a quarterback instead of a, instead of a sexy woman, um, then it, it would, would look come like out Ryan Lee. Like Justin, <laughs> it would no. Well, yeah, I mean, it would come out looking like Ryan Lee for Justin Herbert. Um, exactly. Not to compare those two, but you know, okay and I, I get them. it. It's okay for them both to be to be good. It's okay for Justin. Absolutely, Herbert to be good. it's okay for yeah, all of them to be, be good, and they're all good so far. But it, like, it should be. Hurts looks straight too. Yeah, it shouldn't be to the detriment of of one of the other guys. If you want to say that Justin Herbert's good, you don't then quantify that by saying that the other person is bad. 
It's yeah. just like that's that's not how it works. It's great, especially for, it's, when the other guy, the other guy that you know in your camp in your location, the other guy is playing really good football and winning games. You know, like that's I'm I'm I don't get that sometimes, but you know, and and we talked about um, that play. I just I did want to mention because I, I tweeted a, a video of it. Um, you know, that, that interception that he threw, I think, you know, as Simon said, he was hit, he was hit from behind as he was throwing it caused the ball to whip to the front pylon. But if you look, there was an exactly identical play, um, that he had at Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was, this was against Louisville and it was back in 2018. It was one of his more memorable plays that year. And it was, it, this is exactly what he was trying to do. And it was almost, it was almost going to be a highlight real play. Like it was almost going to be a highlight real touchdown pass because the, the defensive back had bit hard on the front pylon. And unfortunately that's exactly where the ball ended up going. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's a method there's a, I, I think what struck us about that play is like, Whoa, where'd that come from? Tua doesn't normally do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's always a method there, but fast forward to, you know, the, the latter half of the game, um, in terms of learning from his mistakes, you know, what happened when he got into a similar situation, he scrambled and he ran, he ran straight up the middle toward the end zone, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, he learned from it. And, and by the way, like, you know, the back view on that play is ridiculous as far as making, um, making the, the defender miss um, and the way that he juked him. I mean, it's, you, watch look at the brian baldinger tweet about that yeah he was, saw the guy he saw the guy coming before the guy was there <laughs> I, I, it was it was kind of it was kind of ridiculous i mean give yes, him was. give him credit for that um and so and i think i think that's the that's the thing is we're not used to seeing too many plays like that or too many like you know ridiculous trait things like that from our quarterbacks um in miami and and right now we're not getting many of them. We're probably only getting like two or three of them a game, right? I mean that's mm. and he's not getting forty opportunities in game either. But I mean like yeah, we're probably only getting like two or three of those. You know, like whoa, you know, type type of plays or throws or something like that a game. It's just like we're just now stepping into a world that every other team's fans that have that have an actual legit franchise quarterback have been in, and they're like, oh yeah, that's normal. Like, and then we're like, oh, this is what that's like. You know, yeah, that's 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 what that's like. You're going to yeah, on that play on, on the play where he threw the interception. I did. the, I just finished up my the yard work series and I and I diagnosed that play uh, on the backside. Really, nothing's happening there. He, it's on the play side where the interception is thrown and Lynn Bowden is in the backfield and the Patriots don't call a switch. So he sees that right away. The problem is that he feels some pressure when Lynn Bowden releases to the flat and JC Jackson picks him up. He picks him up late and Lynn Bowden is wide open. If he throws it on the hop, the problem is he had to get off of his spot because mm-hmm. Winovich was in on him already. So as soon as he steps up, timing's all screwed up on the play. And yes, it looks, it looks to me like, you know, Lynn Bowden's going to break it off to the back of the end zone and that's where he's going to go with it. But yeah, you yep. know, it, better execution, and that's a walk-in touchdown for Lim Bowden. But you know, got to block Winovich a little bit better than they did on that play. Yeah. So, but yeah. two hundred and fifty freaking ground yards on the ground though in this game. Yeah, I mean, 
have 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 we seen a change? I mean, do, are you buying it? Either one of you, Simon, Simon, Alf, are you buying it? Buying what? The fact that they can run the ball now. Buying, yeah. I mean, there's two two hundred fifty yards at at six yards per carry. Um, they did it. They did it with you know obviously Tua and the gun. There was a lot of pistol. There was a lot of you know, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of, we had different receivers in the game that could block better. Obviously there's, there are things going on that like, you can diagnose it and like, okay, well, that's why you had success um, running the ball. But just on a basic level, do you think, do you think we're turning a corner on that? I think they need to commit more, more consistently to the run game. There, were, there was, you know, what, what tends to happen is that we run the ball early Nothing much happens, uh, and then we tend to go away from it a bit too much. Um, I like Ahmed. I think he's a he's a really good player. And what I like about him, especially, is, and I've said this before, but I think the Dolphins will obviously keep him. But I, I also think he'll be the reason why the Dolphins, one of the reasons why the Dolphins take Najee Harris or Javonta Williams over Travis Etienne, because I think stylistically they're pretty similar, pretty similar size-wise. Um, he's got that really quick burst into the second level, good vision. Um, Harris and Williams, obviously much bigger backs, maybe not quite as fast. Um, but he really, you know, it really feels like we found a, you know, a legitimate sort of number one and a half. Well, certainly number one for the rest of the season, probably, you know, number two moving forwards, depending on what happens with the draft and free agency. But um, I'm not sold that we're, you know, we found the elixir to, to the running game. But mm -hmm. it's good to see that coming down the stretch, um, just when we need it most, with two playoff games to go before we even get to the playoffs, that we are, you know, there is an ability to run the ball. Yeah, I completely agree. But there is there is one change, and that's the the play calling is different. A lot more motion, uh, like you said, a lot of pistol, a lot of eleven personnel. Like they're not necessarily going heavy anymore to run the ball anymore, and mm -hmm. you know they're they're basically scheming they're scheming people into especially the the patriots so i don't know why the patriots fell for this but they kept running that split zone and then they were moving their their defensive tackles out of the a gap and putting them both of them in three tech and then they're just they're trying to call like run blitzes up the middle to try to clog the middle and then all we kept doing was giving the same look and then running outside of them and the Patriots never seemed to adjust. Every time that, that they would try to do one thing, we would do the other. And, I, you know, I'd hate it because I, I Simon, Simon already said that, you know, we're going to give, you know, too, uh, too much credit. But his orchestration of some of those plays are why those lanes opened up. He was holding the, the outside man when, when he was putting that ball in his belly and it looked like he might pull it out for the RPO. It was holding guys on the edge like Chase one of it. And they mm. were running inside of him and getting four or five yards just because he was doing that. Mm. So, you know, I thought it was just as expertly called. And yeah, if there's going to be a difference. Like if you can say, if I buy it, well, I can't buy it because the, the sample size is much bigger that they can't, right? But I do buy that they, they've decided to make a change. And the change is pretty drastic. It's, it's first of all, it's a, it's, it's a change in personnel. Breda got some run. Savan Ahmed got a lot of carries. What was it? 23 carries. I believe that's the most this year. I don't know if, if Gaskins got more than 23 carries in a game this year, 
So it's a change in personnel and uh, a change in play calling. So, you know, they decided to do something about it and it worked out right away. So that's a good sign. And they get to try their wares again. Well, let me take, let me, let me take you back in history though. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, and this is why I asked this question is 2016, we, we open up the season and, you know, we get through five games. We're one and four in the five games. Um, you know, we, we ran for like 60, 70 yards, 60 yards, 50 yards, you know, one game with a hundred, hundred uh, yards. And then against the Pittsburgh Steelers, an overwhelming favorite, Jay Ajayi explodes for over 200 yards. And for the next three games, we ride Jay Ajayi, you know, to victory. Buffalo, you know, still we ran for over 250 against Buffalo. We're running for like 140 and, you know, we're, we're running for yards and we, you know, there was a lull somewhere in there, but, but JHI became the man for the rest of that, that year. Did, is there a possibility we just experienced something that clicked in that way? Because this would have sounded patently ridiculous if we were talking about this after the the Steelers game. You're like, yeah, just it's just one game. You know, we were an awful running team in the last five games. That matters more, you know, that and stuff like that. And then and then we ran Jayajayi, and it was like it was a, a monster ground game for for much of that year. And and we made the playoffs and went ten and six, and you know the story. Um, you know, is this is this almost like a turning point event that may have happened for the Miami Dolphins and at just the right time to, you know, to try and Cause as Brian Flores says, this is, a, this is a one game playoff right now against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then the following week against the Buffalo bills who might be playing their backups, you know, that's going to be an important game too. Is it, is, is it a big, is it a possibly a big turning point that happened at just the right time? I, I believe so. I believe so. And, you know, if, and what I really liked was, like I said, the, the change in personnel, the change in play calling. If, if they decided, you know what, we need this, we need to have a running game. If we're going to win these games to get into the playoffs, you know, let's, you know, let's do something drastic. What's drastic. Okay. Let's change personnel and change. Cause you know, you're not going to trade for a running back right now. Cause you can't, first of all, you know, you can't, mm. you know, there's nobody out in the waiver wire. You, you've, you've already tried that. You brought in every single running back that has ever run the ball in the NFL so far this season. So, you know, what can you do? Change the personnel and change the play calling. So, yeah, it's it's a great sign for the for for the coaching staff, to be honest. It's a great sign that they could just stare at something and say, you know what, this is just not good enough. Let's do something drastic. And they did exactly they did they did do something drastic. It's what they could do. You couldn't do anything else. Which brings us to the Las Vegas Raiders, and I had I had a credential for this game. Obviously, I'm not going. The credential is not going to be honored for this season. But the Raiders, I I, I warn fans because everybody's already talking that talk because they watched them. I think the Chargers did the Dolphins a huge favor. Okay, a huge favor because yes, the Raiders' defense is absolutely awful. But that offense is top-notch. It's good. When Derek Carr is healthy, he's they are very good. Josh Jacobs is a hell of a back. They have a great running game. They have a good offensive line. But they've fallen on some hard times. What, ha- what, what have you made 
Simon, of what has happened to the Raiders since six and three, when they actually look like a very dangerous playoff team. But since then, not so much. What has happened? Yeah, I, I just think defensively they 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 can't get any pressure on quarterbacks at all. You know, like you said, offensively, um, they've been good. They've been good to very good, actually. You know, they've not been able to utilize Henry Ruggs in the way that you'd, you'd hope. Josh Jacobs has played well. That line has played well. It's a veteran line. It's big. It's physical. You know, Rodney Hudson's a great center. Um, Darren Waller, obviously, is going to cause huge problems for us. Uh, Jacobs, as I mentioned. Uh, um, uh, Marcus Mariota is not the sort of quarterback that we like playing against. That mobility, you know, with Derek Carr, yeah, obviously a better passer, but he's the sort of statuesque pocket guy that we tend to have... Um, we tend to have some fun with in terms of being able to blitz and, and those sorts of things. So Mario to presents his own problems um, just in terms of the ability to break contain, as you saw him do very effectively against the chargers. Uh, just, you know, Max Crosby is, is really the only guy, Max Crosby and Nick Kwiatkowski in, the, in that um, defensive front seven are the only two guys who've really played well and consistently Cleland Ferrell has obviously really struggled um, you know, they passed on on Josh Allen, uh, defensive end Josh Allen, to get Ferrell, um, and he's really struggled. So, you know, th- there is an opportunity for the Dolphins. You know, a lot of talk about Jonathan Abram, but he's, you know, he struggles terribly in, in coverage. The corners have, have had ups and downs, Mullen and, um, and, and Damon Arnett, both young. Um, you know, they haven't been able to get the bo- their hands on the ball an awful lot in terms of interceptions. Um, and I think the clock's ticking fast for, for a lot of those Raiders defenders. And actually, you know, after another bright start last season and this season, some questions are going to start to be asked about John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock and the ability or otherwise to bring in players that can really help that unit. Yeah. Um, when I said that they, they did a huge favor, let me explain that. Josh Jacobs was playing and nursing a, a knee injury. Now that they're essentially out of the playoffs, they're really out of the playoffs. You know, he might actually sit this game. So they could get a huge help right there. Chris, what do you make of this this Raiders team, which is it's been a precipitous fall. But what's left of it, if healthy, is I think, you know, interesting, at least for us in a game because they can score points. But what do you make of what has happened to this team for the last yeah. five weeks? I think for one, um, you know, as much as we want to dig on the defensive front, uh, Simon, you know, picked them apart there. Um, you can pick them apart on the uh, pick them apart on the back end just as easily. Yeah, uh, uh, in the secondary, I'm no, I don't think anybody in that secondary is playing particularly well. You know, even Lamarcus Joyner, um you know, that that's not supposed to be, that's not supposed to be the best player in your secondary anyway, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, so it's really bad on the defensive side of the ball, which is going to be convenient for the Miami dolphins because obviously we're still banked up and we joked about it and um, not to denigrate any of the players or anything, but we marched out as our skill position guys you know, essentially two rookie quarterback converts, a special teams captain, a um, couple of backup tight ends, and uh, and then a, a rookie waiver wire running back. I mean, that's you know that's that's what we came we came to battle with, and uh, and who knows if it's going to be significantly different when we fly to Las Vegas. So getting going against that secondary, that back end of the Raiders is you know it's 
it's a good recipe for us. Um, you know, offensively, I think you mentioned it. They've clearly got some talent. Uh, do I trust Eric Rowe against Darren Waller? Yeah, I kind of do. Um, you know, there are other tight ends that I might not, you know, um, against Eric Rowe. Um, but Darren Waller, I think, I think is kind of up his alley a little bit more. Um, so, you know, we play Marcus Mariota. We've typically, or at least early in the season, we had some trouble against, uh, against quarterbacks that could, that could run like that, mm. um, or pre- uh, present options for the, uh, for the offense. I think that's particularly the case in the red zone. I, I think we saw last week that this is Miami's defense is not the same defense as they were, um, at the beginning of the season when they had issues against those, those types of quarterbacks. Um, that said, I mean, if we still, if we face Kyler Murray again, I think he's still going to give us the runaround because that's Kyler Murray, but, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is Marcus Mariota. Um, so, you know, yeah, what's happened to the Raiders. I mean, I I think, I think it just, it just fell out the bottom on the back end and defensively. I mean, and, and we saw, um, an injury happen at quarterback last week and, you know, that's, uh, to your point, I, I do hope we don't see Josh Jacobs because he's phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll just see. Yeah, no matter what, you know, Josh Jacobs, if he does play, and I, I have I have some doubts, uh, and my doubts are na- namely because he's a star. He's a real star. He's He was just named to his first Pro Bowl today, so I guess it's official. You can't call him a star. He's a great running back. He's an absolute great running back. They have a very good offensive line, but he's been nursing a knee injury for a while. And he was in and out of that game against the Chargers. And toward the end of the game, he was coming back into the game because, you know, the Raiders were playing for their playoff life. If they're not playing for their playoff life anymore and he's nursing a knee injury, stands to reason that a running back is not going to, you know, put his career on the line for a game that is essentially meaningless to them. So, And he hasn't been paid yet, right? And he hasn't been paid yet. So that's, you know, that's a break that I think the Dolphins are are catching, you know, and it's, you know, it's, they're getting lucky in the sense that, you know, they're facing an injured player and an injured player that probably is not going to go out there to risk himself in a game that probably doesn't mean anything to them. But I guess, you know, that's, that's as much as we can touch on the Raiders now for the Dolphins, do you expect them, Simon? Do you think that what happened in this game against the Patriots is just a disposition change, or this is just Brian Flores saying, "Okay, this is going to be a team-specific game plan," and that maybe they do throw it forty times against the Raiders, or do you think that this is the team that we are now? We're a ball-control team that plays defense. No, I think it's game by game specific scenario for for everybody i think they'll probably try and make um they'll probably try and make hay against uh, a pass rush that struggles to get home in a secondary that has issues covering um that would seem to make sense but also they clearly played to the strengths of that offense in terms of as chris alluded to earlier you know you're starting you know you've got mac hollins malcolm perry durham Smythe, adam shaheen uh and lim bowden as your receiving core and isaiah ford who you literally just picked up off uh, the street um, there's a reason why they they trusted the running game it just so happened to be fortunate to fall in the week where we played a team that wasn't particularly good against the run you know you would hope that one of Parker or Grant might be back 
next week and you can utilize the um the passing game a little bit more. It'd be great for Mike Gesicki to show off on national television given the the excellent season that he's had. Um so no, I think you know very much like the Patriots were, they were scheme specific almost entirely. You know, each week was an individual very much an individual battle and they were able to adapt and did that consistently throughout Tom Brady's tenure in New England. Um, so no, I don't think we're all of a sudden this monster run team because uh, I just think it was perfect for the situation that we needed to go against at the weekend. Oh, okay. And Chris, do you agree? Do you, do you think that, or, 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 or do you disagree? Do you, I just, do you th- I actually, I actually kind of disagree here um, because I think, I think it started that way. I think it started very game specific against the uh, New England Patriots. Like this is how we're going to attack them for all of the entirely rational reasons that we've already outlined about it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, we went off for 250 and you know dominated that game on the ground. I mean, as as Alf pointed out, um, you know, eight drives and look at eight drives and and maybe just a few tiny little mistakes away from what scoring 30 40 um yeah you know it it was it was potentially a dominant performance uh that way and i think where what what could have started as a um as a specific game specific thing might sort of tickle brian flores's fancy a little bit um because this is the kind of i think i think you would love to play that kind of football you know he's 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 at heart you know, kind of a smash mouth guy. So he talks about having a fullback on roster. I mean, he just he likes to be physical. He likes to to ram it down um, the other team's throat if you can. And um, and so I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder if he's going to say, well, may, let's let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes, and uh, and and see and and ride it a little bit. And so I do wonder if they're going to try. And let's face it, all right. Yeah, we talked about the pass rush and the, the back end and, and everything. I mean, the Raiders the Raiders are one of the worst rundies in in the league as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we're not we're not picking their strength. I think um, I don't think they have a strength on defense. So um, I think that uh, I think you could see that. I think you honestly could see you know hey let's 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 pursue this a little bit. Let's see how how much we can how much how much hay we can make uh, doing this. Um, and I, I, I do think it's going to be fascinating. All right. Now let's touch on the Pro Bowl. And let me be the first to congratulate Evan Ingram on making the, the Pro Bowl with his uh, five yards per target and his one touchdown and keeping Mike Kosecki out of the Pro Bowl with his six touchdowns, his 140 more yards, and with his four more yards per target this pro bowl it's it's become a joke simon i don't know if you've looked at the guys that are in and are out dolphins just have lonely old Xavier howard and that's because he has five thousand interceptions because i think if he had six interceptions he might not be in what is this about well this is what happens when you let the general public vote i mean they vote for people that they, I mean, arguably the best safety in the NFL this season has been Jordan Poyer of the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. He didn't even, he didn't get close to being selected. Um, you know, I think Xavier got in. Do you have the had, list? Do you have the list in front of you? Uh, I did just a minute ago and then I deleted it. Um, okay. Do you want me to get it up? 
Sure, get it up because uh, I want to throw some names at you. I think Justin Simmons has had a monster year. Tyrone Matthew, he plays for the Chiefs. He has to be in there. No? Yeah, but he's also played really well, Tyrone Matthew. Yeah. Justin Simmons made the team. No, I'm saying I'm saying the guys that, that really, really deserved it that didn't make it last year. So did they make it this year? Uh I mean I think um I think James Robinson's a bit hard done by. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I he think needed Ryan, to be in. I think Ryan Tannehill's been pretty hard done by. I mean, it's hard to go against Mahomes, Allen and Watson. And you know, Deshaun Watson's essentially stopped that Texans team from being a, you know, probably one and fifteen. I mean Derek Henry's ridiculous. Nick Chubb's amazing. Can't argue with the receivers. Um can't argue with the tight ends really. Um Patrick Ricard. Well, was except for it. Mike Kosicki, right? Yeah, it's hard to argue to Kelsey and uh, to, to our point earlier, to be fair, it's, it's hard to argue against Kelsey and Waller. Um, yeah, that's a problem. How many tight ends did they did they pick? Uh two actually. So I I was wrong earlier on. It was uh it was it's two on each side, but it's six in the voting. You can vote for six because I voted because I'm fucking sad. Um <laughs> but um I think Wyatt Teller got you know, Wyatt Teller's had a great season. He did yeah, yes. selected. Um you know, defensively, seems like that. You know, Calais Campbell's had a really good year. Obviously, T.J. Watts had a great year. Matt Judon's had a good year. Darius Lenz had a great year. Um, Marlon Humphreys had a superb year. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to Minka as a starter over Justin Simmons seems a little bit. You know, that's kind of seems feels like a little bit name recognition. I think uh, Justin Tucker is probably name recognition. I mean, he's an amazing kicker. He's a Hall of Fame kicker, but I think there are other kickers who've had better seasons. Jason Sanders being one of them. I know Jason's slightly gone off the boil the last couple of weeks. You know, Jakeem not getting in as a return man is pretty bad, frankly. Hmm. Um, hard to argue about the NFC quarterbacks, uh, NFC running backs, hard to argue against uh, receivers. I mean, <laughs> Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson. The the tight ends, Evan Ingram's a bit of a, you know. It's a joke. Is what it yeah. is. Did Dalton Schultz get in? I mean, uh, I don't believe Robert Tanyan. Robert Tanyan yeah. has like ten touchdowns. Dalton Schultz has three more touchdowns. He played half a year. Remember, because he wasn't supposed to be the starter. He was the backup to the original guy. I forgot his name. That blew out his knee in week three. He has three more touchdowns. He has ten more yards, and he has a three yards per target better average than Evan Ingram and he's doing it and he did it in three less games. Like, I don't get this. Like, how is this possible? I mean, I've just seen Eric Kendricks isn't in the team. I mean, that's pretty harsh um, because he's a really good player. I mean, it's hard to go against Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner, but I think Kendricks has probably had a better year than, than Bobby Wagner. I think Fred Warner's a a terrific player. Absolutely. And, you know, the guy in the... Uh, Go on, sorry, Chris. Uh, I was just going to say, not to not to bring it too much back to the Dolphins, and I realize this is an extremely cliche to keep comparing them, but I mean, this is a nine and five team, and they've got two more games. They're going to be favored. I think they're going to be favored against the Vegas Raiders. They are favored. Um, they are favored. Uh, and and then you know who knows about that week seventeen? Uh, I we we kind of think the Bills aren't going to play their starts. So anyway, they're legit chance of going eleven and five here. One Pro Bowl player. I mean, that kind of yeah. who does that sound like? You know that That's that kind of reminds you of those very early Patriots teams, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, who who would have gotten on the Pro Bowl from the two thousand one Patriots or the you know the the Super Bowl winning two thousand one Patriots squad? Um, 
you know, it's it's it kind of reminds you of that. And I think that you I know, think honestly, lawyer Malloy. <laughs> yeah, honestly and privately, privately, um, the Dolphins, the people in the Dolphins front office might kind of be like, you know, good about about something like this, because it just means that it's going to be easier to keep everybody um, when they have to when they have to resign them and look at the contract that Zach Sealer got. I mean, he, I'm not saying he should be in the Pro Bowl. I'm mm-hmm. saying you look at that contract he got, and this is like, this is this is hope. I, I think what the Dolphins are hoping to do is to get their players back and um, the players that aren't necessarily getting recognition everywhere else, but certainly mean a hell of a lot to us. And the guy who leads the NFL in sacks didn't make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Trey Hendrickson. You know that's pretty ridiculous. You know, that's insane. You know, that's insane. Make the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, no, and, and and you know, let's and let's get down to brass tacks. Kyle Vanoy and Jerome Baker both have two forced fumbles, both have six sacks. Baker has a ridiculous amount of pressures. I saw that the other day. You know, there's a couple of games left. You know, what's to say that that you know, we already saw Kyle Vanoy get three in a game. We saw Jerome so, Baker. Did you get just two did in you a just game. say Jerome, Jerome Baker? Because some people on the internet told me that their daddy said that Jerome Baker wasn't a very good player, and I don't really understand. <laughs> Jerome Baker has a real shot at getting double-digit sacks if they keep playing him the way he's playing, because he's getting pressures a man, a by, man the, on Twitter, by the bushel. The man on Twitter said to me he wasn't a very good player, and he, he got all threatening, and I don't really know what to do. He said he wasn't very good. And another man sent me a load of videos showing how bad he was, and yet all the plays Jerome Baker was doing really well. So I don't really understand what's happening. Could somebody help me, please? <laughs> that's a great that's a great question. I love Jerome Baker. He's uh, he's on my keeper list, unless he's extremely expensive. Definitely. Right? You, know, you know what it is Which about it him is be. that he's, he has unique abilities. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it's not just he's playing well. I mean, players are playing well. It's that um, it's that he has unique abilities that allow you to do things as I think the the Dolphins to call things and to execute things that um, that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do because of that speed that he has while being as while being as physical as he is. Um, it's he's a unique player. He's turned into he's turned into a hell of a player for this defense. He's a keeper. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now let's have a little bit of fun and congratulate the New York Jets. Simon, you could take it away. First of all, you know, hats off to Frank Gore. What a pro. Great game coached by Adam Gase. Sam Darnold is obviously the future. Simon, you know, I don't know what else I can say. Simon, just lay the praise on the New York Jets. To be fair, the Jets should have beaten the Patriots. They should have beaten Oakland. Um, you know, so actually they shouldn't even have been in this situation, frankly. It, it does throw up a really interesting situation with regard, you know, losing Trevor Lawrence is fucking fantastic, though, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yes, isn't it, is. it? I mean, isn't it? I mean, oh. get Trevor Lawrence out of the AFC East is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Watch the it's Patriots a, trade up with it. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. Astonishingly good. But, um, it does throw up a really interesting situation for the Jets because I would suspect if I if I was Joe Douglas, I might be inclined to stick with Sam Darnold, um, and you know you maybe try and bring in an Eric Bieniemy in and and, and coach him up uh, that way, uh, and but it does put you in a situation where you could potentially be offered a boatload of picks to move down, you know, for, for teams trying to get up for Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. 
um, if that's the situation. But also, having drafted Mackay Becton, another potential Pro Bowl snub, uh, if, if he'd been healthy all season, he mm-hmm. almost certainly would have been a winner Pro Bowler. But um, you've already got Mackay Becton. Are you going to draft Penny Sewell? And if so, where are you going to play him? Because you're not going to draft him playing right tackle, drafting it two overall, and you're not going to play him at guard. Nobody drafts a guard second overall. Mm-hmm. So what you, you know, it does place them in a very interesting position in terms of what do they do? Where do they go? Do they take Parsons? Does that feel even a bit early for Parsons? Satan, you know, two, that fit. It does feel like the Jets are very much setting up to, you know, unless they do take a quarterback, but it does feel very much as if they're setting up for somebody to move up, them to take a bit of a haul uh, and start really building the team, you know, picking it, I don't know, 7, 15, 33, 39, 45, 55, and, and the first pick of the third or second pick of the third round or something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But but the fact that Trevor Lawrence is, it, you know, all things being equal, is not going to be in the AFC East is one of the greatest things that's ever happened because <laughs> fuck that. That was, By the, way, that was let the me second big victory of the day. I mean, that yeah. was... <laughs> That was almost no, bigger than Miami winning, frankly. I know exactly. That's I kind of felt that way. I was watching. I mean, the uh, fact that the Houston lost, Miami won, and the Jets won, therefore Trevor stays out of the air. I mean, that was an uh, you don't get you couldn't get an uh, an acker an accumulator bet you know in Vegas that, that was as good a <laughs> would offer you as good a joy as those three did. That was that was phenomenal. One thing that I found hilarious. Uh, there's a there's a Jets, um, very popular Jets uh, stream where they were watching the game and they were so upset. It was, it was, it, it, I don't know if you saw the memes and the, the, the video that was going around Twitter showing them all upset. And one guy says, well, you know, all we got to do now is offer, you know, number two, 24, 35, and then our, our first round pick next year. And we'll just get Trevor Lawrence anyway. And his, the, his, uh, I guess I guess you could call it a podcast, mate. Since they do they do do a podcast, looks at him and goes, "Who the fuck are you kidding? The Jaguars are not trading as Trevor Lawrence. We just fucking blew this." And <laughs> the joy that came over me, you know, think uh, about it. They're resigned to offering uh, a king's ransom now, and we know what the Jaguars are going to say. They're going to say, "Fuck you! <laughs> we're, I mean, we're, you taking, think, we're taking we're taking take- Jesus over here." If you're if you're the new general manager of the, I mean, and what a what a beautiful job that is, you know, in terms of attractiveness now, both for coach and general manager, you've got two firsts, two seconds, you've got multiple picks. I think in the first, second, third, fifth, and seventh rounds. Plus, you've got the second most cap money of any team in the league. Plus, it's Florida, and you've got the first overall pick, which will be Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback to come out since Andrew Luck, and maybe older. Mm-hmm. In terms of you know, you could be going all the way back to Peyton and even fucking John Elway, frankly. Um, I mean, what an attractive proposition that becomes. And the Jets' job, on the other hand, then falls to the arse of the earth in terms of <laughs> you had him and now you fucking lost him. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, of all the Jets, you know, Roger Vick, Jeff Lagerman, Ken O'Brien over Marino, all these <laughs> Blair Thomas, all these fuck ups in the draft that the Jets have had, this might top the lot. And it's an amazing fuck you from Adam Gaze. To the Jets fans and Frank you know. Gore, Frank Gore and Frank Gore, yeah, and that was imagine, did it. <laughs> that imagine man. being Manish, Manish Meter, the uh, the banished uh, Jets beat reporter who essentially just <laughs> That's right. lost the plot again. He must be close to throwing himself from the Staten Island ferry, given what happened yesterday. I mean, just 
just astonishing just so good so good when that when when donald completed that pass to frank gore and he just fell over the yellow line on tv i actually punched the air probably harder than i did when miami scored a touchdown amazing yeah what's what's hilarious you know what's even funnier when people go on uh jet fans okay i should say people jet fans they go on twitter and they say well now we got a root for the Jaguars to beat the Bears and the Colts. <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. Uh, not going to happen. Both teams are in the well, playoff we hunt. We the hope. Bears are a game back from the playoffs and the Colts are in it. So How messed up is that? <laughs> both those teams are going to murder the Jaguars as the Mitch Jaguars Trubisky's, slink away. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky's put together three decent back-to-back-to-back games. Yes, he has. I know. It's, I just oh. I finally I finally caught on and picked them this week. And I was like, oh. okay. Yeah, I mean it's too late for for redemption in Chicago, I'm sure. But you know, he's probably going to get himself a decent backup gig somewhere. Um, Holy shit! J.C. Jackson didn't make the Pro Bowl either. Just right. abolish the Pro Bowl. Abolish the Pro Bowl. Just do it. Just get rid of it. The man has who's eight the, interceptions, and he's been good who's, this year. Who are the so today? I mean, hard to go. It's Howard and Tre'Davious White. To be fair, who are the backups? Uh, I don't know, but who the hell's going to be better than J.C. J.C. Jackson as a backup? He's been good this year. I don't know. Well, on that yeah. note, okay, abolish the Pro Bowl. It's, oh, it's Marlon bad. Humphrey. I mean, Marlon Humphrey's as good yeah, as he gets. Good. He's really and good. And Stephon Gil- and Gilmore. Well, well, Stephon Gilmore's been in and out of the lineup all year, injured. You know, he's left he's three still games. A good player. He's still a great player, but, you know, is he better than Jesse Jackson, who's been there all year and has produced? Well, hard to argue against the current defensive player of the year. I mean, he has this, you know, I know what you mean. I mean, yeah. the Pro Bowl's an absolute shit fest anyway, so who gives a fuck, frankly? Mm-hmm. Well, they were promising that this year was going to be just more of an award because they're not playing the game. They're just going to, you know, they're just going to name teams, which I think is what they should always do anyway. Apparently, somebody called, um, somebody called, um, somebody I'd never even heard of made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> um, and that is, I think it's the only player in the NFL I've not heard, or the only player in the Pro Jack Fox made the pro bowl and his twitter description of him his twitter bio is the f- most fantastic description i've ever heard he is the field position optimization specialist <laughs> of the detroit lions i mean that isn't that is how joe buck and al michaels and all commentators should now refer to punters as field position optimization specialists <laughs> Great. put that on rich eisen's t-shirt Instead of punters are people too. Field position optimization optimization specialists are people too. Well, I like I like Pat McAfee's T-shirt. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a it's a it's like a silhouette of a guy punting the ball, and it says, "I am an athlete." Nice. <laughs> Which is a great, great, great T-shirt to have. All right, enjoy the holidays, people. When we talk to you again, we'll be fresh, hopefully, off of a win against the Las Vegas Raiders. Remember, it is Saturday night, not Sunday. So Saturday night. They won't put us on Sunday night ever uh, until we win three or four Super Bowls. Okay, so think about 2026 is maybe when when we'll have a Sunday night game. All right. And right then, Tua will be like on his fourth Pro Bowl and third Super Bowl. So we got a winner for you before they put us on Sunday night. But they do give us a Saturday night game on NFL Network of all places. All right. So it's not even that national. But till then, 
Enjoy the holidays. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 